Welcome to the Original Gangsters Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bernstein. I'm very, very, very excited to bring on one of my original partners in crime, the original partner in crime uh, for the Scott Bernstein True Crime brand, uh, Mr. Al Profit, uh, who's joining us from, from uh, California. Gang science. And uh, we're going to discuss the, the Kennedy family and the mafia uh, we are at the 60-year anniversary of the JFK assassination. Oh, that's why it's so hot. Okay. Yeah, I've been mad. Al didn't didn't understand why I wanted to uh, touch on this subject right now. Uh, you know, for me, everyone kind of assumes that uh, you know the mob and the mafia is something that I've been interested in my whole life, and it really isn't. But in terms of the first piece of what you would, I guess you would call true crime that really fascinated me was the, the JFK assassination. I remember as a young, uh, young boy watching the uh, Martin Sheen TV movie with Martin Sheen playing JFK. Now, was this pre or post bar mitzvah? This was pre bar mitzvah. This was like, wow. I'm saying this was when I was in elementary school. This you were a like, boy, not yet yes, a man. Right. Seven, eight, nine years old. I remember going to the library and, and but it was after your bris. Yes, going and uh, reading as much as I could. So uh, it's it's a subject that I've always been interested in. Let's just jump in. Al, did the mafia murder JFK? <laughs> it's a complicated question. So we, Scott and I, did Killing Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, I kind of did it. Scott was heavy, heavy, did a lot of work consulting. Um, boy, that once something interesting I found in studying various of these huge criminal cases when there's so much information it becomes sort of no information it's like trying to learn like what's really going on in gaza right now well there's so much stuff it's like there's no information right there's so much misleading contradictory each piece of evidence you need to know it's heritage right i mean where did this piece of evidence come as you know uh you study things you find out that oh this basic tenet of a case that you know the killer had on a red shirt well you trace that back far enough and you find out well some guy that was at the scene when the first reporter was came said he had a red shirt and that was just an alcoholic who hangs out on that corner. It might not mean anything, right? So to answer your question directly, uh, I, if I, if God, someone who actually knows if God was going to pay off and you gave me 50-50 odds, I'd say they were involved. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things where it's just like, obviously, you're probably- It's Carlos Marx, but, and it's, it, here, here's my, my chief, my chief piece of evidence that I, you can't refute or that I just find to be too much of a coincidence. Jack Ruby talked on the phone in the day or two in between Kennedy's assassination and him assassinating Lee Harvey Oswald with guys from the Teamsters who were linked 
to being people that did homicides, uh, enforcement. Oh, for Jack, Jack, there's no question Jack Ruby was incredibly mob. Well, he talked to Teamsters on the phone, and he and he was connected to the Marcello mob. And the Teamsters he called. the Chicago mob. Anthony yeah, and the Teamster he called was a guy, I forget the guy's name, but he specifically was somebody. It wasn't Frank Sheeran. It's somebody else. Implicated in some homicides. It wasn't someone Barney Baker. I think it was Barney, Barney. There you go. And who wasn't someone he normally talked to on the phone. He was a hitter, and Ruby was connected through Chicago to Carlos Marcelo down there, who had control over Dallas, and uh, he was friendly with the Chicago police. And how a guy with the gun just roams into the police station. Um, I don't see how you get past that. And then Ruby, uh, Ruby gets cancer and dies. And as we, as we've seen from Vladimir Putin and as was admitted in the church committee hearings in 74, poisoning people, giving them stuff to cause cancer. I mean, that's something that Putin has done and, and the church committee admitted trying with that's Castro, they, which means do. Right. maybe they did it with somebody else. Well, so, and you can trace the relationship between the Italian mafia in America and the CIA all or oh. all the way back to, uh, you know, World War II. Uh, so, uh, in, in doing Cold War Hero and Heat, one of my documentaries, yes. American Cold War Hero and Heat, all streaming platforms, yes. um, it was interesting to find out that the BNDD, Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs, which was shut down by Richard Nixon of all people for corruption, which shows how corrupt he were. Yeah. Forerunner to the, the well, then it was replaced by the DEA. So when that was created uh, at the end of World War II, well, I mean that existed. I'm sorry already. And when World War II ended, and the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, got turned into the CIA, the people that trained the OSS agents who at that point had experience in being in wartime. Now they had to work in peacetime and infiltrate, uh, you know, foreign countries. They were trained by narcotics detective, uh, Bureau of Narcotics people. So their first contacts in these foreign countries were criminals, often international narcotics smugglers. And why in the Circle around, why was the BNDD closed down for corruption by Nixon? Well, amongst other things, the most shocking of it was uh, a scandal called the informant murders were during, and these records are still sealed. There were congressional hearings that at least, well, we know of publicly, I think like 28, which means there was probably a, a lot more. These BNDD agents, the people who trained the CIA agents, we're killing each other's informants. So if I'm a BNDD agent and I got a snitch and uh, he's telling on Scott's, Scott is a BNDD agent. He's protecting a member of the Genovese family. My guy is snitching to me about Scott while your agent comes and kills my snitch. So these guys were killing each other's snitches because they were telling on each other's corrupt benefactors. And you had a situation where, you know, starting from after World War II or during World War II, uh, 
<laughs> till past the, the Kennedy assassination, but definitely, you know, through that time period uh, leading up to it and during it, you, you know, the CIA and the mafia had common interests and, and oh, it, provided it them an opportunity after. to work together. I mean, they, well they documented yeah. in, the, in the first elections after World War II in France and Italy. Uh, the Communist Party running, not not some secret thing, but in a democratic election, the Communist Party and very left-wing socialists were looking like they were going to do very well in the election. They, amongst other people, were did not want to uh, accept the Marshall Plan because they knew that would bring Western Europe into a very tight economic co-prosperity sphere, to use a Japanese phrase, with the United States are going to vote against it. The communists were going to do well. And the CIA, and this, I mean, there's CIA agents interviewed about this in documentaries on PBS. This is no secret. Were paying people that were organized crime to, you know, bust up strikes. Well, best way to bust up a strike is to kill the strike leaders. Uh, so absolutely. There were, and of course, the deal with Lucky Luciano on the docks. Yeah, that happened. And then you uh, go, to, then, right, and then you go to uh, the Kennedy administration, and or you, I guess before the Kennedy administration, uh, was it uh, Eisenhower? Day? Eisenhower. Eisenhower. But what, what, what New was it? New Year's Day fifty nine or New Year's Day sixty? Oh, in Havana. No, yeah, fifty nine. power. So uh, New Year's Day fifty nine. Castro uh, unseats Batista in, in, the, in the Cuban Revolution, and, and immediately the intrigue starts. Right, and you have the mafia who was, you know, they they had bought and paid for Batista. Oh, that was Cuba was their, that was their retirement. That was their IRA. That was their. We built the Empire Crime in the United States. Cuba was going to be their legal, you know, our own island. A ton of money there. Spent a lot of time there. Control the government. Guys are going to be able to move there. Like, that was that was the mafia's retirement plan. Right, and they've been building it since Prohibition. And then Castro uh, puts a wrench into all of it. The, uh, the CIA, America, is, is in the middle of a Cold War. So... You know, you had the mafia wanting to get Castro out of there and go get their money back. Uh, oh, million percent. Right. So there's already these seeds planted before the and and, and the CIA's old friend Lucky Luciano. Well, the U.S. government's old friend Lucky Luciano. Remember, he gets out of prison. They deport him to Italy. He can't yep. come to the U.S. So in 1947, he has that. Uh, drug traffickers conference basically there in Cuba where they set up the first post-war international heroin smuggling thing. And of course, there was a different one set up in Detroit in the 50s, but uh, the Luciano one was one of the, you know, where they spit, that was when they specifically said, we're going to target black neighbor, we're going to do Harlem first and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, yeah, the ties, and this is all, Totally documented. None yeah, well, of this. Well documented. There. Yeah. Beyond well documented. This is out of PBS, New York Times, out of the horse's mouth of CIA. And the, this the, stuff the, happened. And the, the church committee. You know, just read the report. Yeah. I mean, but he, the, right. And, and, and the mid 70s uh, committee reports. Um, and people under oath, CIA agents and yeah. other government officials under oath were like, yeah, that happened. We did that. 
Well, let's talk about the Kennedy family. Um, you, I know you've done you know some some research into Joe Kennedy, who was the patriarch, the one who started the what we know as the modern day Kennedy dynasty. Uh, you know, he. Oh, his his father was a little bit of somebody too, but well, I, and, and then he married into the the you know, kind of political royalty out of Boston. Yeah, I think the mayor's daughter, maybe mayor's daughter, right? But but t- t- you know, tell the viewers and listeners, you know, where Joe Kennedy kind of made some of his money. It wasn't all legitimate. Well, okay, so. I, I think a lot of people are familiar with he, he was involved in bootlegging. Right. So, but we, that's, I think, no. So let's tell our audience some, some other stuff. So he did a bunch of things on Wall Street that weren't illegal when he did them, but he was one of the people that caused a new set of laws to be passed. He was one of the people that created the pump and dump. Right. So I buy a bunch of stock. I put out false news that causes the stock price to go up or down and make a bunch of money, which is, I mean, get you put in federal prison now. So now all those type of guys do it with cryptocurrency, which is the biggest organized crime moneymaker in history. But that's another story. Um, So he made a bunch of money on that. And then he here. So let me tell you uh, one good story. So you type of guy. He was. And once again, this this is poisoning assassination a la Jack Ruby. So anyone has been to L.A. and Hollywood. I was going to say, tell the Pantages. Yeah. So anyone has been to L.A. and Hollywood and the tourist area, there's something called the Pantages Theater. I've been there. I saw Aladdin, the musical Aladdin. Very, you know, it's like the Fox Theater in Detroit or so one of those theaters built in 1910, beautiful, restored, but it's always been active. Well, the Pantages, when it was built, it was a it was a movie theater, and there was a chain of them owned by a Greek immigrant named Pantages. So after Joseph Kennedy left Wall Street and bootlegging ended because it was like the early 30s and liquor was legal he needed a, he was very rich at this point and he was made the head of mcm uh movie production and at that time it was not a violation of antitrust for uh movie production company to own theaters so he wanted to own the pantages which was a large theater chain around I don't know, the whole country or large parts of the country. Pantages didn't want to sell. So Pantages is sitting in his office one day there on Hollywood Boulevard. 17-year-old girl comes in. Oh, I'd like to see Mr. Pantages. I have an appointment. The secretary sends him in. She immediately, after a minute or two, comes running out of his office with her clothes torn. He RAP'd me. So Pantages is a Greek immigrant. I mean, it's the 30s if you're an immigrant. You know, your chances of justice, not as good. Plus, you know, a young girl saying somebody, all right, Peter, well, we weren't used to that in Hollywood yet. Big, big scandal. Pantages gets found guilty. He gets 50 years in prison. While he's in prison, of course, the the value of the theater tanks. Joseph Kennedy swoops in, buys the whole chain for pennies on the dollar of what he would have had to pay for it. But the ju- the case was so hinky that the judge, I don't know how long Pantages sat in prison, wasn't too long, a year, three, 10 months, I'm not sure, long enough for Kennedy to get the chain. But the judge calls it back in and is like, no, 
this ain't right. And he like overturns the verdict because you didn't know judges can do that. Jury can't overturn a judge's verdict, but a judge can say, no, not to find you guilty, but a judge can remove a guilty verdict. Right. And declare a mistrial. Yeah. So that's what he did. But the girl ends up saying, well, actually, I have an older boyfriend, a pimp, and he put me up to it. I just went in there, tore my clothes, ran out. It was all a lie. And then she gave an interview where she said, Joseph Kennedy paid me and my boyfriend to do it. As soon as she gives that, she falls. Mind you, she's at like 18 at this point. She falls but ill with some weird like cancer or something it like dies in a week as if she were poisoned well we we know that uh joe kennedy and joe had, kennedy made mil you know he, yeah. he benefited tremendously and of course mcm is who ronald reagan ended up being an actor for and and you can the strike breaker, he, helped uh, he, he was very anti-union in Hollywood. Yeah. Teamsters had a grip in Hollywood. It's all intertwined. Um, and, you know, Joe Kennedy from a very early... Big uh, bootlegger while he was the ambassador to England. Right. Well, I was going to say, before he, before he reaches the point where uh, he he's, gets into American politics and is... Uh, given an ambassadorship, a uh, uh, very valuable ambassadorship at that point to to uh, uh, Great Britain. Second biggest economy in the world. Yeah, and he brings the whole family over there. You know, he's he has 10 kids, uh, and he, he has his eyes on his end game is to get one of his sons in the White House. I mean, this isn't something that— Ironic, by the time that happened over it, didn't he? He had had a—when did he have his stroke? Well, no, that's—okay, I'm going to get to that in a second. So, uh, it's God's hand. I was gonna say, I've always said, and I'm gonna jump ahead and then go backwards that if Joe Kennedy doesn't have his stroke that Al just referenced, and he had it in uh 61, shortly after uh John is uh sworn in, okay, he lit, he, he was in his right mind to see his victory, yes. And but shortly thereafter, he has his stroke. What's weird, though, is, you know, you think like you're one of the richest people in the country. You're very powerful. Like, who cares? Like, it's nice. It's a, your son being the president is great. But like what I'm saying, I guess though, I'm not a power hungry person. But what I'm saying is Joe was his son's fixer. And his son's backroom wheeler dealer. Oh, right. So his protection goes away. Or his right. so, his his Cardinal Richelieu yeah. goes and, away. And you had, two, you know, two things happen. Uh, one leading to the other. Or I guess one leading to the other leading to the other. Uh, Kennedy wins the election. We can talk about whether or not it was on the up and up. It was one of the closest elections in American history. They're all, I, I, my thing on that is a lot, probably the shadiness equals out on both sides. Yeah, there was rumors that uh, the, the Chicago mob and the Detroit mob and some guys in other parts you of think the country. The Repu but Republicans were stopping black people from voting in the South. So, you know, it yeah. all kind of probably equals out. Some election integrity uh, issues, I guess, in uh, Illinois, and then in West Wheeling, Virginia, Wheeling, West Virginia, which the Detroit guys allegedly had. And it's funny, there's a lot of mob activity. There's a lot of coal mining yeah, scandal stuff. Then there was 
Dan yeah. Moldea made his bone. That was his first big case, I think. Well, and Dan Moldea uh, wrote Dark Victory, which was the story of Ronald Reagan and the mafia and and all that stuff. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Shout uh, out to Dan Moldea. How's he doing? He's doing all right. We had him on uh, to talk off a couple weeks ago. So uh, he's, you know, he's... He's an OG, man. He's he's pushing, uh, you know, into his uh, mid seventies now. I think. Uh, but where we we go with the Kennedys is, I've always said, if Joe Kennedy doesn't have that stroke, who knows what happens? Because oh, I'm, I that that's very astute on your part. I didn't think of that. Yeah, because 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 he was the hard. Right. He had all the connections. Two, two things happened. So you have the stroke that that, that Joe Kennedy uh, is felled by in uh, in sixty one. He doesn't kill him, but it he becomes kind of a, a vegetable to a degree. At that point, according to Robert Kennedy Jr., the uh, yeah. crazy person who thinks he should be president, his grandfather could only communicate through grunts. And at this point, it looks like all bets are off with any relationship between the Kennedys and and the nefarious figures that might have or might not have helped them get into into office. And at this point, Bobby Kennedy goes full court press mode as attorney general after all these guys that in their mind, at least, they felt like they had bought a presidency um, with the help of, of Joe Sr. Uh, Bobby started. What, Bob, Bobby was, yeah, on another page. Right. Bobby starts going after him because he sees it as good for his political future. Um, yeah, those Kefauer and the other, was there another hearing? I mean, those McClellan, really. McClellan, Kefauer. McClellan and Kefauer. I mean, those really were in city. I mean, it showed it in city. On national television. At that though, point. though, there was a hype element to it, you oh, know, yeah. but, but. There was a real element too. I mean, and and some of those old school gangsters and not just the Italian guys, it's all those people were pretty sinister on national TV. So the two the two questions I would have would be if Joe Kennedy was of sane mind, does Bobby Kennedy get let loose? Could no. John F. Kennedy take you know no. leash off and say go after these guys? And the answer no. is probably no. Joe Joe would have had some some type of. And then Joe would have smoothed. And then even if it did get off the ground, Joe would have most likely would he have smoothed it over? It, it would have. It, yeah, it, it definitely wouldn't have been as bad. Like even if it went forward, it wouldn't have been as bad. He would have figured out some middle ground. Right. It's, it's also interesting to point out. I think for again being a kind of a Kennedy aficionado, I don't know if people realize is that John F. Kennedy was not the. Uh, the golden boy at first. He was not the chosen one. He was looked at as kind of a defective Kennedy. He was very sickly, uh, was not what his brother Joe Jr. was. Who, who was, was killed. Who was right. killed. So Joe Jr. was the one that was like the all-American uh, uh, four-point student quarterback of the Harvard football team, uh, as good, you know, as good-looking as is. As John F. Kennedy was, Joe Kennedy was better looking. He was the I, Al Prophet of the yes. family. He could okay. have been a movie star. Uh, he was a a, a, athlete, a star athlete. Um, and so he was tragically shot. What his airplane shot down? Well, so yeah. So uh, this is an interesting story. I I, I want to tell that I don't know a lot of people know. Uh, I don't know it. So the the story is that 
again, one was clearly the favorite son in Joe Jr. How uh, much older was he? Uh, four or five years. He the Irish old. pop him out all yeah. in a row. And uh, it, like people don't know, Joe Sr. was very, very against us getting into World War II. Uh, he was a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's pretty bizarre. Right, didn't want us to get into World War II. But when Pearl Harbor happens and we're attacked by the Japanese and we're drawn in to World War II, then it becomes advantageous for uh, Joe Sr. to have his sons go to war and become war heroes. The impression was that Joe Sr. was going to go and win the uh, Purple Heart and come home and run for office. Could he have kept them out of the war? Would what? Could he have kept them out of the war? I mean, I think I think his opinion, Joe Senior's opinion, uh, up until '41, was one of the main reasons that we stayed out of the war. No, could he have kept his sons out of the war? Oh yeah, of course, yes, yes, he could have kept his sons out of the war, but he wanted them to go, and they wanted to go. So going into it, if you were going to, well, they wouldn't have been able to run for all if they would have been ducked the war. Yeah, but you know, if you were, if there were the betting odds. You would say that Joe was going to go be a hero and John was going to go and kind of, you know, blend into the background. Well, they both go off to war. John uh, is in the South Pacific. Uh, Joe is like in what is today like Delta Force, like, uh, you know, top, oh. as top uh, of the line. Uh, was he a He wasn't a pilot? He was, no, he was. So but what's interesting is they both go to war in the first year or two of the war. Joe doesn't see a lot of action. I think he's training, getting, you know, like this top-level clearance. John becomes a war hero, kind of su surprisingly, I think, to his own family, uh, because he had been so sickly. But he, I mean, was there ever? Did anyone ever think there was anything fake about Kennedy JFK's I, heroism? Probably, I'm sure. Because his book was fake. He had a ghostwriter write his book. Right. So he comes home after. Uh, being awarded a, a Medal of Valor for saving people in the South Pacific. It's his dad's 50th birthday party. They're at... Gene uh, we're about to be 50. Right, that's crazy. We're supposed to have some war hero sons about to be president. Jesus Christ. So it's their... What have we done with our lives? They're on Martha's Vineyard, or, or and they're they're celebrating his, his 50th birthday party, and he is at for the first time in the history of the Kennedy family he is more smitten with Jack than he is Joe and according to the you know story i'm sure there's you know some mythology involved in this he toasts uh Jack Kennedy at the at the party and Joe leaves the room and is fuming that his brother got a bronze star or a purple heart before he did at that point he volunteers for a mission that is like as dangerous as dangerous can be. What Why? year would what year was this? 44. Uh, uh and knowing that if I do this, I will now upstage. Yeah, because those air those air raids, it was like 50-50 yeah. where you're gonna to come back. It was to, to, to dump a bunch of uh explosives into Nazi uh, military points. Yeah, those were like those those guys out. were here. Those those guys were pretty heroic because it right. was 50-50 where you're gonna come back. So he goes, he had and within, I'm telling you, within months of this party. Uh, his dad's 50th, part, uh, 50th birthday party, Joe, I believe, passes away in 
in in tragic fashion as a war hero. He doesn't his ejection seat doesn't work. Uh, he can't eject out, and the the plane blows up with him in it. Oh, like he was he dive bomb a plane, eject yeah. out. Oh, wow! Right at that point, now John is number one uh, son, and now it's his. You know, it's for him to become president. But for all this time up until that point, J- John or Jack was an afterthought. Boy, so that's all. Not <laughs> to psychologize it. Either, either their their competitiveness was such. Did he wanted to one up them, and then there was probably also a fatal, you know. Yeah, that's a parent. A child hurts his parent the most. That's you know a lot of times with suicide, yeah. people will leave a note. You know, hey mom, great job raising me. You know, so boy, so, that's dark. Yeah, and then just- so it wasn't in part of his nor he had completed his tour, and specifically after his yeah. brother was feted as a war hero. He said, hey, I'm going to go back and do the most high-risk thing there is. Yeah, the most po- uh, the most dangerous possible, most heroic possible thing I can volunteer for. Um, and that's the end of Joe Kennedy. You know, one of the things that begins what they call the Kennedy curse with uh, a lot of the sons and grandsons and uh, nephews and grandnephews meeting pretty, and, and daughters uh, meeting uh, pretty horrific. Shout out to and- Rosemary. Yeah. Um, and then the other uh, daughter, the, she was lobotomized. And then the other daughter died in a plane crash with uh, her, her husband, who was like royalty of some sort. Um, oh, Prince Rain. No. Yeah, the da- the Kathleen, I believe, the daughter Kathleen. Was she with the Prince of Monaco or that was somebody she else? Was, that was- she was married to a prince of some oh, country no. and they oh. died in a plane crash. Uh, but But John becomes president. Jack becomes president. Uh, he's only pre- what, what, what to me is something that that I find noteworthy for someone that the mythology is just as a thousand big. days. He was not president for that long. A thousand days, right? Two and a, about two and a half years. Yeah, uh, it's like a thousand thousand days. They say, yeah. And uh, it seems like not that you can ever you know predict these things, but. Uh, that the people knew going into Dallas at that time period uh, was probably a little bit more dangerous than, than going into other major cities. Would you say that's true? Well, okay. So to go back to originally did the mob kill him. So in these conspiracies and I think two of the, and uh, here a good conspiracy, because to me, it seems very clear cut. To, to show a person how this would work. Now, this the Kennedy thing was much more complicated. Malcolm X. So if you're Elijah Muhammad and you want Malcolm X dead, you have an organization, and certainly not all the people in the nation of Islam then joined in prison, and certainly not everybody was violent, but you had a fair amount of People who he helped, who, people that were drug addicts in maximum security prison who turned their life around, who were fanatically loved Elijah Muhammad and were rough guys. So if you put a drawing, which they did on the in front of the, or the cover of the final call with Malcolm X's head bouncing down the steps, calling him an infidel, well, there's a high chance did some one or two or three of these violent followers you have in some city at some opportunity are going to kill him, and you never 
No such thing as a tacit conspiracy. He never has to assign anybody to do anything to Malcolm X. He figured it would eventually happen. So to go to your point of Dallas, if you know that there's this bubbling cauldron of Cubans who want uh, the Kennedys, they're upset about the Bay of Pigs fiasco, Kennedy at this point is hands off with you like, you know, we're not going to mess with Cuba. That was too embarrassing. We want a new president who's going to aggressively push Castro. Uh, and then you got the mob upset at him. Yeah, Vietnam, for, uh, Vietnam which is in the early stages. A variety of reasons from we're not getting what we wanted from our, you know, what we paid for. But more so than that, his brother, uh, you know, and then, of course, Marcelo getting deported. Uh, Hoffa, Hoffa hated him. I mean, Jimmy Hoffa despised. Oh, oh RFK. I mean, I have a whole chapter of that in the in the killing Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, these guys are having push up contests against each other, like in the basement of the courthouse. Like, yeah. you know, they did. They detested each other. And when JFK died, uh, Jimmy Hoffa he refused to raise standing, the flag. Standing or order. To, I mean, uh, to bring it to half mass. Standing order for all Teamsters locals around the country to not put their flag at half mass. That's unheard of. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that, so that whole, and you don't, we don't see in movies about the South and the mob, but. Traficante, that Traficante. Listen, uh, in 1960, the FBI's write up on the mob, and of course it's imperfect, but, but one report listed Marcelo is possibly the most powerful single mafioso. He was the only, him and Traficante weren't answerable to the commission. Right. They had their and so people know Tampa and New Orleans are actually the two oldest mafia places. Italian immigrants went to those two places even before New York because the climate was similar. And there was incidents in New Orleans. In the, the 1800s. They in eighteen eighty nine or something, didn't they? They they rushed the jail and hung a bunch of Sicilians. Like stuff was going on down there, or long before New York, like thirty years before yeah. New York. And even though there is there's hasn't been a mafia in Texas in quite a long time. Well, back they then, got, there was a mafia in Dallas, and they were and and even if there's not made men, they're people oh, they're that are. Guys. Joe Savilla was the Don. You know, he was a guy that had respect around the country. I mean, the, and they were answerable. They were under Marcelo's sway. Marcelo, Marcelo had a lot of power. Yeah. Marcelo and Trevkin had a lot of power. They had the drugs coming in. They were away from everybody else. The South was poorer and probably more like Sicily in the sense of weaker government, easier to corrupt. Yeah, and Jack Ruby was a Midwestern guy. His real name was Jack Rubenstein. Chicago transplant. From Chicago, had spent some time in Detroit, went down to Dallas. His brother, uh, Earl Ruby. <laughs> Where I went to elementary Detroit. school, Earl Ruby Cleaners was there on six and between six and yeah. seven. Uh, and Livernois between six Livernois. and seven. I walk past that every day. Yeah. Uh, so he moved down to uh, Dallas and was tied into all these guys. And then let's talk about Lee Harvey Oswald. We, we've, we've left his name out of this. But whatever you want to believe about him and connections to the mafia, which I think you can find, there's no question in my mind. Oh, he was, was an agent. He was a. He was. He was, he was definitely an agent of the U.S. It, whether witting or unwitting. Yeah, well, and that's when I go back to the Malcolm X example of where 
you can create a, if I want somebody, if I want Scott killed, if I orchestrate the kind of people that don't like Scott to be around him, or I let Scott be around him, or I let a situation kind of, hey, there's a rumor that Scott told on somebody in Detroit, and I don't put out the fire, I let that spread through Detroit, and I don't tell Scott, and I start, hey, Scott, you should hang out in Detroit more. Well, eventually, maybe you're going to be somewhere where someone does something to you. I don't have to set up a conspiracy. I create a dangerous situation and let you be there. Plant seeds and cultivate those seeds for them to grow themselves. And that way, there's no crack. There's no trail. But uh, Oswald, uh, you ever read Norman Mailer's book, Oswald's Tale? He defected to Russia. And then came right and back, came and back then they just no, with no problem, with no problem. Uh, well, there's in the middle of the, at the height of the Cold War. It's absurd, right? It's absurd. And, and then there's video of him, or video. Or there's I don't Mexico City. There's tapes of him in Mexico City. There's other tapes of him in in the French Quarter in New Orleans, um, uh, doing uh, some uh, leafleting. I have the I have the footage yeah. in Killing Jimmy. Go watch Killing Jimmy off. I got the footage of him passing out. Anti-Castro leaflets. Yeah, but where he was supposed to be pro-Castro if he was communist. So you know, but that brings you back to crazy. Like Lee Harvey Oswald was certainly someone that wanted to be important. Yeah, and well, you know, it's it's only luck that Oswald even came. See, I don't think. They expected Oswald to make it to custody because remember he shot that cop. Yeah, and the idea that you assassinate the president and that you you would think a guy like that is not going to get taken into custody, probably. And then as your backup, you're like, oh shit, we got to get him killed, and they have Ruby do it. Lee Harvey Oswald is totally fascinating character. I would suggest anyone interested in this to read Norman Mailer's very long, but well-researched nonfiction book. It's called uh, uh, Oswald's Tale. And he interviews uh, Oswald's handlers, this former KGB in Russia. But again, Oswald's Tale itself as just a sub part of the Kennedy thing. There's so much information Your head swims and you just don't know what to make of any of it. I mean, he brought back a Russian bride. Yeah, he he wasn't someone that was directly like, hey, he met the CIA at a diner and they said kill Kennedy. I mean, he was a flake and there's no smoking gun. So whatever was being done with him was, again, I just think it was this. There were people that wanted Kennedy dead. And there was, yes, but it parts of the government. And then, you know, people throw around the word, the government as if just government's so gigantic, you know, me, me, me and you in our area can have a plan that someone else is not in on. And the perfect storm happened and they had basically, remember this is the same time when U.S. soldiers were coming back from North Korea that had been effectively brainwashed the Manchurian candidate. 
I mean, I, you know, hypnosis is a certain amount of people are very susceptible to hypnosis, to deep. There are not everybody's susceptible to this, but there's people you could put a deep um, hypnotic implant into and then turn them on. No, this stuff is real. It doesn't work on everybody. And But if you got 20 Oswalds floating around, all you need is for one of them to be in the right place at the right time and for it to happen. But now, is there some real specific, this guy and this guy met up and said, we're going to kill him this day and had these people do it. That's hard to really. It's hard to prove. It's almost impossible. Yeah. There's all this evidence that something was going on. That's why I'm left with the idea that there were, it's sort of like, I want to kill Scott. It ain't something you, I you think. Leave a bunch of it's not something I think about every day. And I get a call. Scott is drunk in an alley in Detroit, urinating at three in the morning because he secretly is a fucking crackhead. And I'm like, oh shit, we'll shoot him in the head. It's quite a scenario I just made up, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Some but, weird opportunity presents itself. Well, and frankly, them guys logistically, they didn't have any security. He's just guy in a. Fucking rappers have more security than Kennedy did then. That's what I'm saying. Talk logistically. Like, was this Oswald shooting from the book de depository or were there multiple shooters? I've never really. Uh, I, I find it hard that there would be several other guys with rifles who fired them. And there's there's no sightings there's no evidence there's nothing on film other than that vague those bums getting rounded up or whatever that was i i, I think it was there weren't people on a grassy knoll i don't think could there have been an the the fact that the bullet supposedly all the movements of the bullet is pretty ridiculous you know the bullet would have five Imagine entry and exit Imagine. wounds or something I think there was another shooter probably in a building. And and I think it's... Oswald, they knew somebody, because Oswald, people don't know, Oswald shot that general. Did you know about that? Yeah. He, Oswald shot, he didn't kill him. He tried to assassinate a real right-wing... See, and that's another thing with Oswald. One minute he's... Because he did shoot this racist right-wing general, but then you want to kill the liberal Kennedy... Oswald, I think, was just a flake who wanted to be important that they knew could be maneuvered into being up in the book depository. But there was some one or two other professional shooters in a building somewhere who did uh, maybe Oswald's bullet hit him, too, but who were there to really do it. And Oswald was the fall guy, like he said. But I mean, to your point, you said a couple of minutes ago about the security. I, take away conspiracy or no conspiracy. The fact that up until 1963, a president could be in an open motorcade like that. And mind you, people, you know, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln was obviously someone came up behind him in a theater at the yeah. end of a, a war and shot him in the head. And then McKinley was killed in 1901. Yeah. And Roosevelt was nearly killed in Chicago. So it's it's it's, it's mind-blowing that it took something like that to, to create uh, the way that the Secret Service does things now. But back then, it, it seemed to be... McKinley, the fact that McKinley was killed in 1900, you had two presidents killed in 35 years. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, Lincoln and McKinley. Kind of, kind of, kind of surprising. So such little security. And and then seeing how you know history uh, is, is so fluid and how a, a bad guy can become a good guy and a good guy can become a bad guy. With Bobby Kennedy, you know, when he, by 1968, five years later, he, as liberal as Kennedy was, or John F. Kennedy was, the Kennedy family was still pretty. Uh, they were conservative. They're one of the richest families in the country. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, by 1968. Bobby was like, at least the, who he was, uh, who his support was coming from, were like full on hippies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he had done a kind of an about face with some, with some of his um, hardline, uh, you know, issues towards things, and, and had really softened. I think he, from everything I've read, you know, he, he went into a deep depression after his brother died because he blamed himself, and it, it makes sense. Um, also- I think that there was there were people that wanted Kennedy dead that probably like there's people who want every president dead. And Oswald was a flake that the, that the, that the U.S. government, well, somebody in the CIA military kept him as an asset, said this guy, he's a marksman. He was a Marine. Mm-hmm. He could be useful to do something to somebody. Because that's what they do. They keep all these assets, they're called. So if you're a CIA asset, you won't even know it, right? I meet some woman who gets me in a love affair just in case I could be turned. They want to do some propaganda through YouTube. They got her to guide me. Maybe I never get used. Look what happened with Kennedy, the KGB. I had a, a female spy having an affair with Kennedy. Oh, oh, yeah, it was, it was. Well, the the more the more frightening possibility. I mean, I don't discount that the the the, the, the Soviets could have been a part of it, but yeah. they would have definitely had to see. That points to the extreme cover up. Because that would have the American public would have almost demanded World War Three. Weren't there two different? Um, I should have researched this before I jumped on live, or not live, but uh, on our recording. You know, Warren Commission comes out and says single shooter, but then wasn't there another uh, report that was released that said no, we don't think it was a single shooter. Yes. I don't know what it was called, but yeah, you're two absolutely. different two different reports. The famous, the more famous Warren uh, Warren Commission. the 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 official real one, yeah, right. Uh, and then you know, Bobby Kennedy's killed in in '68, I, and I still really have very little understanding of 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 that. And that's uh, I don't know enough about that to talk about it. I mean. No, I, I don't. It's There's a lot of crazy people that want to feel important, and I mean, just for me being Al Prophet, just the stuff people say to you on YouTube, kind of like there's people obsessed with me. No, yeah, you know, much less someone like that. And if you kill a president, I mean, you are important. I mean, just to wrap it up, my personal theory is that the, the mafia was, you know, most likely 
behind this. They felt like they were buying. A, so you're saying they were the guiding force. It wasn't U.S. No, it wasn't an element was, of no, U.S. intelligence. A, no, no. I think it was the CIA and the mafia working together uh, as a offshoot of their relationship. And what did the CIA, what, what did whoever was controlling those CIA agents, what was their goal? Why? So I, I think that there was a, a lot of worry that Kennedy, after what happened in the Bay of Pigs, um, it, not worry, I think it was accepted fact that he did not trust uh, his his military advisors. Because he kind of he kind of uh, ended the CIA, like he he because he said, "Oh, you get, did such a bad job." The CIA was kind of put on ice, yeah, right? So he, he, I feel like the military industrial complex was worried that you know he was going to not go all in on Vietnam. Uh, and not do what they wanted him to do in regards to Castro and the Cold War. Um, they were already in bed with with the Italians. The Italians had their own reasons to want to get rid of him, and they, you know, the 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 mob thought they were buying a president. In reality, they they put in an enemy in the in the White House that immediately once he got in uh, came after him. What about the personal angle of just Marcelo so upset that he was deported? No, and then that I, there's there's no question those personal. <laughs> personal feelings play a play a role in it with with uh with all of these guys uh you know with Hoffa don't don't even though Hoffa was not a mobster per se he for all intents and purposes he was and he was a guy that had a lot of influence and say and you know he, he had the, a ton of personal animus against the Kennedys and you know he he's in the ears of guys like Traficante and uh Marcelo not to mention the guys up in Detroit Chicago and then so uh I, 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 this was fun, man. Uh, thank you, Al, for joining us. Uh, break down the Kennedys and the Mafia 60 year anniversary of the JFK assassination. Uh, we both are of the opinion that the mob most likely played a role in the, the, it wasn't just Lee Harvey Oswald yeah. randomly doing it. So, uh, you know, I enjoy these uh, getting back on the same page with Al. Uh, we we started together, made our bones together. Uh, he's he's out. He's repping Gangster Report OG West Coast, and we're keeping it keeping it real in the Midwest. I'll tell real quick. I'll tell them where where people can get everything from you. YouTube.com slash Al Prophet. Also, American Dope has some merch. And uh, Scott, I'm gonna be me and my dad going to England uh, the 19th, but I'll be there about yeah, the 9th. Okay. Yeah, but I'll be coming to Detroit we'll around the ninth. We'll do some. So let's do some stuff. We'll do some content for the channel for both of ours. Yeah, uh, let's do some Chaldean stuff. Yes, we're teasing. it. I want to go to that store in Oak Park where the bath party killed somebody. Yeah, we're we're gonna tease it. Iraqi mafia coming at you soon. Uh, for Al Prophet, for Benny behind the glass, OG Pod out. <laughs>